I'm fired up to be here this morning. Uh, I was, before the earlier service, I was sitting back there, a lady comes up to me, she goes, are you preaching today? I go, yeah. And she goes, where's our Brian Haas? And I was like, I don't know. It's like, oh, he's at the other campus. And she goes, oh, I should have gone there this morning. And I was like, <laughs> like yeah, you probably should have. It's not that great of a sermon. So, but, you know, I, I said that at 930, and then, like, I'm back in the back, and Brian is here. Brian, aren't you around here somewhere? Yeah, you're on the front row. So <laughs> somebody called him and was like, hey, you might want to be here just, just in case. All right. So uh, I'm excited to be here, and I'll tell you why. Because I was in this building six months ago when it was nothing. It was junk everywhere and trash and everything. And by the grace of God, um, in your uh, hard-earned sweat and labor, um, this is, is unbelievable. And so I'm fired up about this. It's my first time to be here and uh, the only thing that I did on this building, built on this building, I built this stage that Brian Haas preaches on every Sunday. And so, yeah, I, you know, I appreciate it. You know, if it collapses, I had nothing to do with it. So I did write some things underneath here because Brian wasn't around. So I wrote some things to get some off my chest. And he was like, what'd you write? And I was like, you'll never know. So uh, I, I will tell you, uh, my, my excitement for this church and this campus is that when you get so big that we have to go build a massive auditorium back there in the back. And so, yeah, y'all are awesome. Awesome, awesome church. We are in the middle of a series, or I hope we're in the middle of a series called Human versus Human. It's a relationship series. And so here's what we've been saying. This is a great sermon series if you interact with human beings on a regular basis, like if you email human beings, if you talk to human beings, if you see another human being on a regular basis, this is a great sermon series for you because the whole idea is how do we interact with other human beings according to God's word. Now, if you've grown up in church, I'm confident this is not your first sermon series to hear on relationships, certainly not the first a sermon series that myself or Brian has ever preached on relationships. And what's interesting is whenever you go hear a sermon on relationships, you're always thinking, man, I wish, and you can fill that person's blank, fill that person's name in the blank, I wish they were here. Man, I wish my mother-in-law was here. It would fix everything with her. I wish my boss was here. I'm going to share this link with him tomorrow morning. If my kids were here, there's always that person that we wish was here on that day that the preacher was talking about relationships because then everything would be better. And what's interesting is the person that we never think should be there in the room is us. It's always somebody else. Oh, man, they need to hear this. Man, if the president of my HOA was here, man, my neighborhood would be awesome, right? Like if they were here, if they, because the problem is not with us, it's always they have the issue, they have the concern, they have the thing that needs to be resolved when it comes to relationships. Now, if we've never met before, I've got four kids from age 10 to 2, Daniel, David, Kara, and Micah. And so it's a lot of fun, but super crazy at our house. And our youngest is Micah. He's a two-year-old, and being the youngest of four, he's essentially the mascot of our family. All right, so everybody loves him, just kind of goes around. And a few weeks ago, I walk into this scene between my youngest, Micah, and my wife, Brianna. And what had happened, unbeknownst to me, is that Micah had completely despooled a roll of toilet paper and put it in the toilet. Now, why he did that, I don't know. We don't teach our kids this. Hey, in order to be a part of this family, this is what you have to do. So 
He just did it, right? Just de-spooled it. I didn't know this. I walk into this scene, and it's Brianna talking to Mike about how we don't de-spool toilet paper and put it in the toilet. And so I kind of walk past this, and she's talking to him. And Mike is our two-year-old fourth-born, and so he has, like, so much bravado and gusto. He's just kind of standing there, like, taking it in. And she's talking to him, and she pauses. She goes, well, what do you have to say? And he says this. He goes, well, that's not my problem. He goes, that's your problem. And I, you know, I did what any good disciplinary father would do. I hid my mouth as I laughed and walked out of the room. And I listened to her, like, a mom, the only way a mom could talk to a two-year-old son, and she let him know in no uncertain terms, it was most definitely his problem. And, and, and I, I tell you that because I think when it comes to relationships, that's our attitude. It's not my problem, it's your problem. Not my concern, it's your concern. It's not my issue, it's your issue. You're the one that needs to be fixed. And so whenever it comes to human relationships, we've got it all together. You're the one that needs to be fixed. If you would stop this, if you would start this, if you would change, if you would quit being like your mom, if you'd quit acting like your dad, if you would stop, if you would change, this relationship would be so much better. And may I propose something in a very humble way that there is a chance albeit a very, very small chance, that there could be a problem or an issue with you and with me. Now, I did not get an amen at the earlier service either, so I did not expect one here. But if we're willing to go, you know what, Chris, we've never met before, but there might be a chance, albeit very small, that I could have some things I need to work on. Let's just start with that. Because Jesus begins... uh, talking about this in the middle of a teaching about the idea of looking at our own lives and for issues or concerns. He, he then goes into where those issues are located and then, and then concludes this teaching with, now how do you identify those issues? And it's a super helpful thing to begin, to begin to walk through this as you think about your marriage, your kids, your coworkers, your boss, your neighbors, your friends, If you begin to go, you know what, I'm willing to look on the inside. Now, where specifically is it located and how do I identify those issues? You begin to work through this process and it will make your relationships so much better. Now, the one you're thinking about specifically right now, it may not change that one specifically. Like you may work through this process and go, why didn't they change? Why didn't they they adapt to it? And it may not be that specific one, but your overall relationships, your future relationships will be so much better if you're willing to submit yourself to this process that Jesus walks through. And and he begins to walk through this process. He talks about two metaphors, two illustrations. One is like so crazy far-fetched, like it's just absurd. The other one is so obvious, but he draws this unbelievable conclusion when it comes to human relationships. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. If you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen behind me. Jesus, in the middle of a teaching, he's been talking about human relationships. He's been talking about loving your enemies, praying for your enemies, being generous to other people. And then he shifts gears to this really strange metaphor illustration. We're going to pick it up in verse 41. Here's what Jesus says. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? 
when you can't see past the log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, if you've grown up in church, you've, you've read the New Testament before, you may have even read this, this passage before, and, and I don't know if it's the way we were brought up, I don't know if it's our own preconceived notions, but so often when we read the New Testament, specifically Jesus, what he says and teaches on, we miss his humor. Now, now think about it logically. He had a supernatural sense of grace, supernatural sense of kindness and compassion, supernatural sense of healing. It would make sense that he would have a supernatural sense of humor. And it's displayed here in this passage. He's talking about this log and this speck, and, and really better translation of the word for the word speck would be like a small twig, and the log would be like a large supportive beam. He's drawing this metaphor, this conclusion that's so crazy, it's humorous. And so the people listening would, would begin to chuckle and, and understand what he's saying. He's going, listen, you're so concerned about the small little issue in their life that you miss the gigantic beam protruding out of your own. You're so concerned with them, with what they need to do, with what they need to change, that you miss this gigantic issue glaring in your own I. In other words, I'll, I'll rephrase it this way. Jesus is essentially saying, pick up a mirror before you pick up a magnifying glass. Pick up a mirror before you pick up a magnifying glass. When it comes to your relationships, we're so quick to grab a magnifying glass and go, well, look at your issue, look at your thing, look at the, the problem with you, look at the way you responded to this, versus picking up a mirror, taking a hard look at our own lives and identifying the beam protruding out of our own eye versus the teeny tiny twig in your eye. And Jesus is just addressing something that should be, should be woven into each and every one of our relationships going, listen, before I begin to assess blame on you, let me begin to look at responsibility for my own life. Pick up a mirror before you pick up a magnifying glass. Now, I know some of you, you're auditory learners, and so you can listen to that and you get that. Some of you are visual learners. Some of you are visual learners. Now, you may not know this, but uh, around the staff and around the church, Brian is known as our prop preacher. Okay? So if you're new to church, you need to know. He's got a prop for everything. I've literally seen Brian Haas give communion with an orange traffic cone as his illustration. I don't know what he said, but I'm like, he just took the orange traffic cone and served communion, all right? So I thought, you know, I'm not a prop guy. That's just not me. But I thought, man, come in here, you know, when in Rome, you got to adopt accordingly. So I have brought a prop because I know this is what you're used to. And so when it comes, yeah, thank you. Now, that, the pity applause, I don't accept. You two, I do appreciate the applause there. Now, here, now, here's what I want you to know. So, when he says a twig, so I, I pulled out. So, here's my prop. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. So, here's a twig. Now, I'm going to go ahead and use Brian as a prop. Now, Brian, I want, I'm going to give that to you right there. Brian, just put it next to your eye, not in it. It's not that great of a sermon illustration, all right? So, hold it right there. Now, uh, he's got the little twig. Now, I have um, procured a beam from Home Depot, all right? Now... Here, just so you can get this visual illustration right here, this is what Jesus talked about, and this, this is not, I mean, he's talking about a twig in somebody else's eye versus a beam protruding out of your own eye, just like this. 
You see? Jesus is funny. He's got a sense of humor. Like, and so it, he goes like this, going, oh, my goodness, Brian, I'm so embarrassed for you. I mean, you look like an idiot in front of everybody here. Just, right? And you're going, oh, my goodness, Chris, are you, are you kidding me? And he goes, this is what you do. This is, he goes, this is what human beings do when it comes to relationships. You know, they've got a, a problem with them, and they probably do. Right? Your mother-in-law probably has her own issues. Your coworker probably has some things. They're human beings. But we pick up a magnifying glass to look at a little twig versus the mirror and going, my goodness, I've got a four-by-four four beam protruding out of my own. And Jesus is making this humorous example, illustration, but the truth is there. He's going to pick up the mirror before you pick up the magnifying glass. And so easily do we assess blame before we accept responsibility. We're so quick to assess blame. It's their fault if they would change, if they would be different, if they didn't do this, before we accept responsibility, before we go, you know what? Yeah, they may have a twig, they may have an issue in their own life, but I have a four-by-four beam protruding out of my own. Pick up a mirror before you pick up a magnifying glass. Now, you'll see when people assess blame versus responsibility, and probably the, the best illustration we have right now are the Winter Olympics. By a show of hands, how many of you, you're like Winter Olympic junkies? Okay, three, four, five. Okay, we're in Georgia, whatever. All right, so um, I'm more of a Summer Olympics guy, but, you know, Winter Olympics are there. And uh, you, you know who's a huge, like, Winter Olympics fan uh, is your boy, Brian Haas. So last week, I was making fun of the luge. I was making, I was like, I could do the luge. I mean, you get on a sled and go. I mean, how hard is that? The spandex is the worst part of that whole thing, right? It's, so I was telling him, I was like, there's no athletic ability. And he kind of bows up. He goes, he goes, Chris, those are highly trained athletes. It's like, seriously? He's like, oh, yeah, like the way they maneuver their body and this and that. That night, he sends me an article on the athleticism of luge. So I was like, dude, all right, they're athletes, whatever. Okay, they're whatever you want to call them. So, but you, you see this at the Olympics. You'll see it at football. You'll see it at basketball. You'll see it after a round of golf. You'll see it when athletes... They don't perform the way they should. They finish the halftime or they finish the round or they finish the event. And the reporter's right there in their face. Right? The camera's there and the reporter's right there going, hey, you didn't perform all that great. What happened? Right? You'll see this. And one or two things. Either they'll, they'll blame the referees or the conditions or, or something or they'll accept responsibility that they just didn't perform the way that they should. And you see that. And I tell Brianna, every time I see it on TV, I tell Brianna, I'm so glad that that doesn't happen to me every Sunday. Like, in between the services, I cannot even imagine, like, stepping off stage after the 9.30 and a reporter going, hey, you know, that, that closing wasn't very good. What adjustments will you make for the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, wait, wait, wait. Right, you see it. They'll blame, well it's, well, it's, well, it's their fault or the referee's fault or just, or they'll accept it and going, hey, you know what? I just wasn't prepared. I just didn't perform the way I should. My, my opponent, they outplayed me and they won. Do you accept responsibility or do you assess blame? And this is what Jesus is talking about. In a very, very humorous metaphor going, you know, you're so quick to point out the twig that you missed the four by four beam protruding out of your own eye. Now, you may be willing to go, you know what, Chris? 
I'm not sure I have a 4 by 4 beam in my life, but yeah, there's a possibility that I might have some issues in, in my relationships. If you're willing to go with me there, then Jesus goes, great. If you're willing to at least look at yourself in the mirror, then he goes, let me show you where they are located in your life. And he continues on in verse 43. And he goes to a very obvious metaphor illustration here, verse 43. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Well, yeah, Jesus, we we know that. That that makes sense. And he continues on, verse 44. He goes, a tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. And figs and grapes, they were two common products there in those days that that the people listening would be familiar with. Maybe like if Jesus were here going, hey, Listen, all of you people from Georgia, I don't know if you know this, but peaches come from peach trees. <laughs> Mind blown, right? You're like, well, you're going, well, duh, of course. And Jesus goes, great, great, great. Here's, here's the conclusion. Here's the obvious metaphor. Now, here's how it applies to your life. Verse 45. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. He goes, you know that grapes come from, from grapevines and figs, they come from fig trees. Well, yeah, we, we get that. Jesus is great. Evil things come from an evil person with an evil heart. Good things come from a good person with a good heart. And in other words, the things that you produce in your life, or that word produce would mean to be to bring forth. He goes, it comes from the treasury, or that word treasury, better word for it is a storehouse, what you've stored inside your heart. Or I'll put it this way very simply for you to remember. You withdraw what you deposit. You withdraw what you deposit. That is a life principle that does not change. You don't like the way you're reacting. You don't like the way your relationships are going. You look at the symptoms and you try to fix those. He goes, no, no, no. It is located in your heart. The four by four beam that you see in your life, it comes from your heart. And so what you deposit in your heart is what you're allowed to withdraw in your life and in your relationships. And you can only withdraw those things that you have deposited. And you don't like the way you respond. You don't like the way things are going. The question is, what are you depositing on the inside of your heart? You don't like the fact that there's a four-by-four beam protruding out of your life. And the question is, what are you depositing on the inside of your heart? The things of God, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or the things of evil? selfishness and and greed and unforgiveness and anger and bitterness and resentment. You can only withdraw in your life and in your relationships what you have deposited inside your heart. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you went to the bank and you drove to the little teller and you go, hey, listen, I would like to withdraw $10 million. That was going to go, hey, that's fantastic, sir. You have $17.34 in your account. You can have every penny of that, but ma'am, I would love $10 million. Like, I need $10 million. You can want it. You can wish for it. You can hope it'll change. You can only withdraw $17.34. You can wish for it, want it, hope it'll change. You can only withdraw in your life and your relationships what you have placed on the inside of your heart. You withdraw what you deposit. And so the question is, what are you depositing? Like, what are the things that you allow into your life, that you listen to, the things that you read, the things that you surf on the internet, 
the things that you do on that business trip when you think nobody is around. Those are the hard questions you have to ask when it begins to come to your relationship. You're going, I don't really like the, the four by four beam. The question's going, great. What are you depositing on the inside of your heart? The things of good or the things of evil, the things that God desires or the things that are of selfishness and things that sin desires. Be willing to pick up a mirror before you pick up the magnifying glass. Understand that it is located at the depths of your heart as opposed to trying to create an, or trying to fix the symptoms. Understand where it's at. You go, Chris, I get that. I understand that. You know what? There may be something going on in my life. I'm willing to admit that. Chris, I understand that it is located at my heart and where it is at, but really quick, Chris, how do I know what the issue is? Like if I'm willing to say, you know what, there may be an issue, there may be a four by four beam, I understand it is in my heart, but how do I know what the beam is? Like how do I identify what this is specifically? How do I know if it's anger, if it's unforgiveness, if it's jealousy, if it's bitterness, if it's greed, if it's, how do I know what this is, Chris? And Jesus answers that with the very last sentence in verse 45. After he talks about the, the good, good stuff from a good heart, bad things from a bad heart, the last sentence of verse 45, he says this. He says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. And I'm sure it was about the same awkward silence when he said that. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And I'll say it this way, listen to the words you speak and you'll quickly identify the issues of your heart. Listen to the words you speak and you'll quickly identify what the four by four beam is. And I'll bring it to 2018. Not only just listen to the words you speak, but observe the words that you text, you email, how you post on Facebook, how you comment on Facebook, how you respond to your kids. Listen to the words you speak, write, post, and you'll quickly identify the issues of your heart. The problem is when we begin to listen, sometimes it's not a pretty thing. When you begin to reread some of the things you write or the emails or the things that you've said, it's not a pretty picture, but it, it begins to identify the issues of your heart. And you're going, yeah, but they've got an issue. It's a twig compared to the four by four. But they've got problems. They need to change. Yes, they probably do. They probably need to change. But it begins with us. It is located in our heart. And the way we know what it is is we begin to listen. And so as you begin to think back seven days, just go back to Sunday, this time last Sunday. Just rewind your mind one week. And think about the past seven days and the words you have spoken or the words you have emailed or written. And think about the way you've responded to that jerk coworker that you just can't stand, that sent you that email and how you responded. Or the way when your kid interrupted you when you were in the middle of something and you just, man, you just were, were furious. Or that sarcastic response that you know was a little bit too sarcastic. Or the way you responded on Highway 400. I say that from personal experience, not that any of you are guilty, but listen to the, the words that you speak, write, post, text, and like it or not, you'll quickly identify the issues of your heart. And so as you begin to look at your relationships, 
Instead of looking, maybe it begins with listening and saying, what am I saying? How am I responding? You know, you'll quickly identify the, the issue. I, I mentioned the 400 thing, but it was, it's one of those deals when you really begin to listen. And unfortunately or unfortunately, having little kids, um, they repeat back to you what you say. I don't know if you know this or not. But, uh, oh, man, and this, uh, you know, people go, do you see a counselor? No, I share my deep, dark secrets with 200 strangers every week. So... Two weeks ago, Brianna and I are on 400, and I didn't show this at 9.30, Brianna and I are on 400, and I'm not kidding you, look, it's the craziest thing. We're driving down 400, headed south, we're going on a date, lunch date, headed down there to the, to the Avalon. We're driving down 400, it's about 11, 11.30 in the morning, and there's this, we look, and there's this person next to us driving, and y'all, they are watching their iPad on top of the steering wheel, <laughs> just driving like the, literally Watching it, not down there trying to hide it when we all know you're texting. Like, it's just right up there for all to see driving, and I'm going, it blew my mind, and I probably said some unholy things, but there's bad fruit in all of us, all right? So forgive me. I know I said some unholy, I know I've said these things, and the reason why is because last week, Kara, my daughter, is sitting back there in the back, and she sits back there, she talks a lot, and so half the thing, I just kind of let her talk as I take her, you know, to places, and we're sitting there on 400, and I hear these words from the back of the car seat. Come on, man, go faster. <laughs> what? And she goes, Dad, just tell him to go faster. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I understand that there may be some impatience in my heart when it comes to 400. Now, before you judge, begin to listen to your own words or listen to your own kids. <laughs> you quickly identify the issues of your heart. And this is what Jesus is hammering on. And I love the fact how he teaches, and he just gives this really humorous illustration, an obvious illustration, he goes, y'all, he goes, listen, here's, here's when it comes to relationships. You want to know what the problem is? You want to know what the dysfunction is? Begin to listen to how you respond. Begin to listen to the words you text back. Begin to read the emails before you push send. And you quickly identify the issues of your heart. Pick up that mirror and go, you know what? There may be an issue in my life. I know that they, they have a twig, but before I pick up a magnifying glass, I'm going to look at my own issues. I'm going to know that they're located in my heart and not just symptoms I'm going to try to treat. I'm going to, I'm going to deposit the things of God, the things of righteousness in my heart. And in order to identify the things that I need to, to stop, things I need to change, I'm just going to begin to listen. I'm going to begin to observe the words. And I'll finish with a prayer that... I uh, have worked into my life that you can work into yours. I'm going to give you fair warning. It's not a fun prayer. You're not going to walk away and go, oh, my God, that was the best thing that he could have shared. But it is, a, it is a helpful prayer. And here's the prayer when it comes to your relationships. And I know you probably have that one or two people in your life you're thinking about right now. Or you're replaying the last seven days. And that way you respond, you're just going, ooh, man, I probably should not have done that. Beginning this week, when you wake up tomorrow morning, just begin to pray this prayer, and it's out of Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. May the words that I speak, the way that I respond, the tone that I use, the emails that I send... God, and the things that I allow into my heart, the things that I, I center my heart on, God, may those things be pleasing to you and to you alone. 
And Father, forgive me for the words that come out of my mouth that shouldn't. Father, forgive me for the things I allow into my heart that shouldn't be there. And Lord, today and from this day forward, Lord, my prayer is that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart is pleasing to you, O Lord. Imagine how different your relationships could be. Imagine how different your marriage could be, your relationship with your kids, your coworkers, your neighbor, the random person on the street. If you said, you know what, you, you've got a twig in your eye, and I, I understand that, but instead of focusing on that, let me focus on what's going on in my heart. Pick up a mirror. Let me identify the issues of my heart. God, cleanse me of those things. God, created me a clean heart, oh God. And let me walk in the way and treat other human beings, God, the way you would want me to treat them. Imagine how differently... Our world would be, our community would be, our offices would be. Imagine how different your life would be if you just said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Let the words that I speak, the things of my heart, let them be pleasing to you, O God. Let me pray for us. With every head bowed and, and every eye closed, let me talk to you here in this room that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. And he is your Lord and your Savior, but as you have thought back over the past seven days, there is probably somebody that needs to receive a phone call or an email or text message from you the way you responded. Or maybe it's the person sitting next to you that you squeeze their hand right now and just say, I'm sorry, and for far too long I've made excuses for my actions, for my behavior in responding this way. Starting today, it'll be different. Just as you begin to think through that and process through that, maybe you begin to pray that prayer today. May the words of my mouth, Lord, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And while you're working through that, let me speak to those in this room that you aren't Christians, that you come in here just checking out church for the very first time. And as you begin to evaluate your own relationships, you're going to try to fix it yourself, and you probably have over the past years, and it just doesn't work. And I'm here to tell you the only thing that truly makes relationships what they should be and are meant to be, it begins with your relationship with Jesus. It begins by making him the center of your life and of your heart. If you've never done that or you've never wrestled that to the ground, you can do that here today. The Bible is super clear on how that happens. He says, it's, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, says you will be saved. And you walk out of this room having a brand new relationship with Jesus. And you experience a love and a peace and a hope that you could never understand, but that you receive because of the grace of Jesus. If you're ready to trust in Jesus, make him the center of your heart, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer and hear me carefully, there's nothing super spiritual about these words. It's really what's going on the inside of your heart, and it's a way for me just to lead you to what's, what's going on on the inside. But if something's stirring in your heart, you can just say something like this and mean it. Just say, today, Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior, the King of my life and of my heart. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Teach me from your word. And help me to live for you, Jesus, from this day forward. Thank you for my salvation. Father, I pray for all of us. And Lord, my prayer is that we would be willing to take that long, hard look in the mirror to evaluate our own hearts and our own lives, to confess the things before you, to clean out our hearts and, and let our words and our heart, God, let them be pleasing to you from this day forward. We love you, Jesus, and ask all these things in your precious and holy name.
Amen. Listen, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here. Brian and Becky, thank you so much for having me. God bless you guys. Have a good morning. <laughs>